0: Today, we're talking Florida versus LSU, the series by the number, Florida Gators, and Oliver Hodgkinson's mock draft from October 9th from Pro Football Network. And we'll wrap up by talking about this Florida Gators basketball team here on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Hump Day. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. First, looking at Florida versus LSU by the numbers, Florida right now is 10 and a half point favorites, and that... That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Looking at a team that this year hasn't been great against the spread to begin with. But also, I mean, 10 and a half points against LSU, any rivalry game, a 10 and a half point spread is something that's not great. But uh, you know, LSU's going through it right now. They've got a lot, a lot of injuries to deal with across the entire in- entire team really like whether you're looking at offensive skill positions defensive offensive line defensive, everything you can look at they've got injuries so i understand it to a point this is a florida team where bet online is clearly just going you know what we've got faith in you um i i don't totally i'm still gonna take this line don't get me wrong i'm still absolutely gonna do it i've said as long as it's not something like 40 points i will take florida so i'm still taking florida to cover here money line is minus 400 which of course if you don't know that means you've got to bet $400 to make a $100 profit which uh that's not a super great investment of course you can then that's that's the benefit of having to go oh well, they don't have to win by 11 they just have to win in general but also like if they lose then you, you lost that. And if they win, it's like, did you really make that much off your investment? Not a ton. The over-under is 59. I'm taking it. I don't care. I, I don't care what it is. If I see an over-under for Florida that's under 65, I'm taking it. If I see one that's over 65... I'm, I'm probably taking it anyway. I don't care. I, I think that Florida can put up points. I'm sorry. I know that Florida can put up points. I'm using this because last week, the spread versus Vanderbilt was still, the uh, over-under versus Vanderbilt was still 59. I'm using the same logic that I used against Vanderbilt. I think that Florida can put up 40-something. And I know that Florida typically is going to give up a couple of big play touchdowns here and there or just points in general last week vanderbilt missed three field goals i believe it was so it's not like the defense was just completely keeping them out of the game the entire time early on they were giving them a little bit of a chance it's not our fault that vanderbilt sucks you know um so yeah against a team like lsu i'm still saying florida can still put up 40 something points but i think lsu has a much better chance of scoring those we'll say florida puts up 42 again unless you got a much better chance of putting up those 17 that you would need to then hit the over. So I'm taking the over again. It's what I'm going to continue doing with Florida. I think our offense is tremendous. Our defense is still very good. Our defense is just so frustrating because they're so dominant for 90% of the game, but the 10% is them giving up 75 yard touchdowns to Tennessee and things like that. And 41 yard screen touchdown to Wandale Robinson. So this defense is so good, but it just implodes at certain points, and then they get back together. But they've already given up points by that point, so yeah, I, th- I said points a lot. Uh, but I'm I'm taking Florida to cover the ten and a half point spread. I'm not betting money line because I'm already taking the spread, so that that's just redundant, honestly. And I'm taking the over, which I always do with Florida, because again, we're gonna put up points. I don't care who you are, unless we're playing a team like Army, where I know they're just gonna kill clock. I'm I'm going with the points. I don't care. I'm taking it. Florida's 33 in 31 in three all time against LSU. Uh, LSU is, of course on a two year win streak because, well, they had a historic championship season in which they beat Florida, which was really fun to watch. Um, and then last year we had the shoe game, which was really fun to watch. Uh, Of course, last year's the game where I'm like, yeah, I'm not super pissed about the shoe thing because genuinely, I don't give a damn about the shoe when you look at the fact that LSU honestly just didn't deserve to be in the game with Florida at that point. So I don't care too much about the shoe because the shoe should have been moot, honestly. It should have just been completely irrelevant. But Florida in general sucked it up the whole time, kept LSU in the game. And the shoe ended up meaning something. So again, I'm not mad about the shoe as much as I'm mad about letting LSU be in that game at all to begin with. So, yeah, but it's really fun because, uh, you know, this is a series that often exchanges short winning streaks against each other. You know, LSU wins two or three, Florida wins two or three, LSU wins four, Florida wins nine, which is the longest winning streak in this series owned by Florida and LSU's longest winning streak in this series is four. But, uh, yeah, they tend to exchange winning streaks with all the injuries that LSU has right now. Like I mentioned earlier, there are injuries at every part of this team. With all the injuries that LSU has, I'd imagine that Florida is capable of taking possession of it this year. And I am wording that as conservatively as possible because I know a lot of LSU fans, and I am going to hear it if because la- last year I was like, oh, we're going to beat the brakes off of them uh, and then you know what happened. Um, But, you know, I'm going to say it as conservatively as possible. I I think Florida's capable, I'm sorry, I know Florida's capable of taking possession of the series, the winning streaks, um, as in starting their own this year, but I am going to remain a little bit hesitant today when talking about it because uh, I, I try not to speak in absolutes because I tend to get things wrong a lot. And, uh, if you've listened to the show consistently or even, even every now and then, I think you get that as well. All right. College football fanatics. Have you heard about prize If not listen to the show more, you disgust me. Prize is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. And I know you will too. Prize offers every sport you can think of NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. PrizePix even offers college football props, which are, like I've said before, incredibly difficult to even find, but PrizePix offers them and has more than anywhere else in the world, and they offer all the star players from the Power Five. You can look at Emery Jones, Damian Pierce, Naquan Wright, or you can look at mid-major schools like Toledo and look at Bryant Koback, Bryce Mitchell, players like that that you don't get to see a lot, but now you can bet on. That matters to me. Helmet back here, tattoo in the arm, you know it is what it is. And PrizeFix allows you to take mixed sport entries. You can take the over on Amory Jones rushing yards and the under on Colin Castleton rebounds if you want to. Don't hesitate. Check out PrizeFix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizeFix is daily fantasy made easy. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free on all platforms. Now we're going to take a look at, I mentioned this, Oliver Hodgkinson who is with pro football network you can find him on Twitter at OJ Hodgkinson uh, he is fantastic and he recently put out a mock draft on October 9th which was Saturday um, and the mock draft it, it's four rounds deep and there are Florida gators in it. and I was like you know what let me talk about this on this Wednesday's episode so that's what we're doing um I will say I wanted to fight him just at I will I will say this off rip I have no problem saying it um, I wanted to fight him when I saw that the first Florida Gator to go went 37th. Um, but at the same time, I kind of get it for, obviously it's Kyrie Elam. We know this Kyrie Elam is the first Gator off the board here. He goes at number 37 overall. Um, you know, Kyrie has been banged up for the past few weeks. That's going to play a part at least a little bit in, um, current projections because it's like, well. How long will his nag him? How will he be when he comes back? You know, things like that. Um, I, I still stand, stand with my point that he's a top 15 player in this draft class. Uh, but, you know, there are injury concerns. It's a very deep corner class. So guys fall. Uh, but he goes 37 to the Atlanta Falcons. I love the fit, personally. AJ Terrell has been fine, despite what you Bucks fans think of him. Because I know Bucks fans listen to this, and I get it. You don't like him. He's a division rival it is what it is. I was a huge fan of him coming out of the draft, but you know, he's, he's worked out so far, uh, but you can always, always use another corner. I mean, Bucks fans, you know, this better than anybody else. Look at your cornerback room right now. Injury, 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 injury. It, it's just hurt everywhere. The Falcons getting Kyrie gives them a solid two deep here of young corners that, can challenge receivers as they go downfield and vertically and make plays on the ball. It's a fantastic pick here. Kyrie Lam. I love the fit. The bills taking defensive tackle Zach Carter at 62 overall. Him being listed at D tackle is interesting, but understandable. Uh, The bill, you know, uh, before I even get into the bills part of it, uh, Zach Carter, He's someone who's moved around our defensive line. He's played end, he's played deep tackle. He moves around quite a bit. He's very versatile pass rusher and solid run defensive uh run defender, sorry. Um, and so he he's very good all around. He's not a guy that's dominant at any one thing. Uh Bills committed to edge rushers last year taking multiple edge rushers in the draft. But Sack Carter gives him another versatile rusher that they can move all around the defensive line. You want to put Rousseau at D-tackle where he thrived in Miami? Put him there and Carter on the edge. So, you know, do whatever you want. Switch them all around. Move them around the formation, around the defensive line. Let them do things. It allows you to be creative. And when you look at a defense that is creative and can move guys around like chess pieces, it's so difficult to compete against. And like Zach Carter on that defensive line with, I mean, you could put uh, Epinesa, Basham, Rousseau, Hughes, Zach Carter, Ed Oliver, you, Harrison Phillips. You have so many guys you could throw out there, and I'm sure I'm missing someone somewhere. But you have so many guys you can throw out there that you can keep legs fresh and keep a pass rusher going because that's something that kills teams a lot when they don't have good depth, at pass rusher, and then later on in the game. They're just stuck chasing guys like Lamar Jackson all day because they're moving half speed. Next, we have two Seahawks picks. Are the, There's four Gators that go in this mock draft. The next up are two Seahawks picks, uh, both on the defensive side of the ball. So obviously, you look at this mock draft and you go, wow, four Gators go, all defensive and all understandable, if we're going to be honest about it. Uh, First up, the Seahawks Seahawks take Edge Brenton Cox Jr. at 87 overall. First of all, the Seahawks love taking high ceiling defenders. Brenton Cox Jr. is exactly that. He is very toolsy, people might say. So he's a very toolsy guy, uh, but he's got to put it all together. And that seems like exactly who the Seahawks would take. But knowing the Seahawks, they'd take him in the first round, even if his value is the third round. Uh, but he gets to play in a defense where I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. He would get to play in a defense where he's pretty much going to be allowed to just focus on getting after the QB. You know, and that's that's huge for someone like Britton Cox Jr. Because if you just go, hey, pin your ears back, get after him, that's going to be huge for his game. Because he's like, okay, like I have one job, get after dudes. And when you've got in your division Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, and Trey Lance. You gotta get after, dude. So getting Brenton Cox Jr. here and adding to this pass rush is huge, especially with the team that their defense has been uh, lackluster at certain points over the past couple of seasons. So adding a possibly high ceiling pass rusher here is huge. Adding him into this defense, he's a good fit too. This would be fantastic value for the Seahawks. I get it. We're still incredibly early, and we are so far from the actual draft happening, where everything is going to change at every point, but. OJ, Oliver, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I I usually say Oliver. I don't know why I said OJ, but but Oliver, you know, he's he's done a good job so far here of getting players with good team fits. And that's something people don't usually nail down this early. And the last player is Ventrell Miller, the linebacker, going to the Seahawks at pick 105. Uh, I know that there are Gators fans like Ventrell Miller should be a first round pick. You're wrong. Like You're entitled to your opinion, but opinions can be wrong and yours is wrong. It's as simple as that. Ventro Miller is not a first round type of linebacker. He's very good, but not a first round type of linebacker. Um, when you look at Miller possibly being a Seahawk, you got to look at Bobby Wagner. I, I, he's fantastic. Phenomenal. no doubt about it, but he can't be amazing forever. That's just not a thing that can happen. He just can't be amazing forever. Ventro Miller is also a leader that can contribute early on getting someone like that this late in the draft is huge value. Fantastic value. You could play Ventrell Miller as more of a Sam than anything else. If you'd like, he's, he's a Mike, he's a Sam. I don't think he should be playing Will. He's just not that kind of guy. He's just not that guy, pal. But uh, I, I like Ventrell Miller with the Seahawks and their scheme in general. He's got to improve in coverage. That's something that would really have to happen for him. But I, I like where he's at. I like his ability to contribute against the run because, I mean, again, we, we've got, we talked about the quarterbacks there. The running backs aren't amazing in the NFC West, but offensive lines, they're, they're pretty good uh, in the NFC West. So, you know, you've got, you've got to have linebackers that can shed blocks, that can kind of sift through the garbage to make plays when the other team does run the ball. And specifically with San Francisco, they like to run the ball. Their running game is just, Phenomenal. The Rams scheme things up properly and pre- scheme things up nicely. Cardinals, not so much at all. But Venturable is also just a body snatcher. Like that, that's one thing that I don't care where he goes. Fans are gonna love him because he is gonna just take dudes' souls all day. And fans are gonna be like, wow, I, I love him. I love that energy. Like he's he's that kind of guy. So overall, I like where the Gators wound up in this draft. I like the I'm, I'm a general fan of the range that they win. I think Kyrie Lim should have gone much earlier than he did, but I still like the Falcons as a good fit. Uh, Zach Carter is a good fit with the Bills. Brenton Cox Jr., Ventro Miller to the Seahawks would be a huge gets. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this mock draft, and I'm going to cover mock drafts more as we're getting closer to the end of the college football season. We're about the midway point right now. Next week's our bye week, and next week. We'll be going through the first half review, second half preview kind of thing. All fun there. I, I don't know about you guys, but now the football season is here, I'm constantly snacking up always, like incessantly, especially now that there are games pretty much throughout the week. Again, starting first week of November, we will have games consistently every day of the week, which I cannot wait for. But now I've started snacking on Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that's no longer a problem. Built Bar is your low-calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber solution. You can even enjoy Built Bar if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order at BiltBar.com. Now we're going to take a look at this Florida Gators basketball team. I'm pretty much just looking at the roster here right now. I wanted to talk about what my starting five would be, which I'll get to in a second. Um, prefacing this by saying, Keontae Johnson unfortunately hasn't been cleared and it's gotten to a point where of course he collapsed last year against Florida state. Uh, it's gotten to a point where I think Keontae's chances choices are, you know, medically retire and continue your education, maybe become a coach of some sort and assistant on the staff or try to find a school that will take you if you transfer and clear you. But I mean, we still haven't been totally told what happened and what was wrong, but I mean, to not get cleared this long after your incident, it, it's certainly worrisome as to whether he will get cleared at all ever. Um, so I, I, I personally, uh, for his health, I would prefer to see him just retire, call it a day and get into coaching. And hopefully that'll work out for you. But Now, on a more positive note, uh, we're going to look at the starting five of what I think the starting five would be if I were Mike White. Obviously, I don't get to see all these practices. I don't get to see everything that he does, and I'm not that good at basketball smartness. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not that good at basketball smartness. I don't have a high basketball IQ at all. But here's my starting five. Um, I'm going three guards and then two forwards, Uh, not necessarily saying that. Either one of them would be the point guard. I just want to clarify that. I'm not going one through five. None of that. Uh, Just going with the three guards and the two forwards. Tyree Appleby is the first guard that I'm going to bring up. He's experienced with the team. He's been here. He's one of two returning players that I have in the starting five. The other is obviously Colin Castleton. But uh, yeah, Tyree Appleby played 28 and a half minutes per game last year. 11 11 points per game. I'm not doing the point threes. 11 points per game. Three assists per game. Three rebounds per game. One and a half steals per game. I have no idea if he's really capable of being a full-time primary ball handler slash scorer. Like, Trey Mann was that dude for us last year. He was a primary ball handler. He was the primary scorer. He was a huge chunk of the offense. But Tyree Appleby has at least shown that he can be a contributor and a secondary or tertiary ball handler. Um, also going to say that with the three guards I have, I'm not totally confident that either of them can be a full-time ball like i'm not sure that either of them can take the ball 70 percent of possessions that they're on the court and be like okay like this is gonna be my offense but i'll talk basketball here that's what we're that's the approach we're taking tyree i hope we can shoot from behind the arc and that's important as you'll see throughout the rest of this starting five that i have uh marion jones the guard the transfer from penn state of course Uh, At Penn State, he played 30 minutes per game, 15 points per game, two assists per game, three rebounds per game, and a steal per game. Uh, He also hasn't shown that he can be a full-time primary ball handler or that he can really create for others consistently. But again, this is the same thing with Tyree Appleby. I don't care if he could be a full-time primary ball handler. I just need him to be serviceable and just roll with that because I mean, he's shown he can create for himself a bit. He's shown the ability to score and shoot from three again. So he should be on the court consistently, and he's not a complete liability defensively because that's been something that Florida's fallen into uh, a trap with in recent years of getting guys that – I mean, even Trey Mann, as phenomenal as he was offensively, complete defensive liability. And I don't think it was for a lack of trying. I just think, you know, he was skinny, not super – not super aggressive defensively in the sense of going for steals and challenging uh, ball handlers. I don't, I don't think he was great there. As good to see us offensively. Next, Brandon McKissick is the third guard that I have out here. Transfer from Missouri, Kansas City. Uh, he played 34 minutes per game at 17 points per game, three assists per game, four rebounds per game, and two steals per game. He was a defensive player of the year in the conference. He was just all-conference player. shooter from three. He can be a ball handler. Again, don't know if it'll be a primary ball handler, but he's shown that he can be a ball handler and at least contribute here. He is a tremendous defender, and that's what I really love about him. You guys all know by this point, I love defense, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, soccer. I don't care what it is. I love defense. Brandon McKissick is that dude defensively. He's an alpha mentality defensively. I think he's a fantastic third guard to round out this lineup. And looking at forwards, C.J. Felder, the transfer from Boston College, he's more of a three or a four, but teams go small ball now. And he, you know, he, uh, he, he played out of position at Boston College. When they went small ball, he was their center, basically. Uh, Ten points per game, six rebounds per game, a steal per game, two blocks per game, serviceable shooter from three. That's huge because now we've got four guys on the court that are serviceable shooters from three. At the very least, you've got to respect them. And then we've got Colin Castleton, who's a forward-center type. He's returning for one more go. He entered the draft initially, did not hire an agent, so he wasn't allowed to come back to Gainesville, which he ended up doing. Uh, 12.5 points per game last year, 6.5 rebounds, uh, 2.5 blocks in 26 minutes-ish. Uh, he He's not a threat from three. At, he's about a big a bigger threat from three as I am. Um, I can't shoot, just saying. So you know. I'm, I'm awful, just I just want to let that out there, uh, but he's fantastic post defender. He's the one guy that can't really shoot here. The idea with this starting five is to have three people that are capable of being ball handlers that can all space the floor. CJ Felder being a bit of a stretch for at least needing to respect him from three and then having Colin Castle who can work in the post. He can run the pick and roll, whether it's high or low pick and roll. The three and D team personified with a traditional big man to get the rebounds, to do all the dirty work down low. Uh, Of course, you'd have guys like Anthony Deruji, Kawasi Reeves, uh, Flanders Slimming Jr., all coming off the bench as the three primary rotational guys at this point. I'm excited for the Gators this year. We've seen a lot of turnover from last year. We lost a ton of guys. um, But it's it's an interesting roster, to say the least. I love the transfers we brought in. We clearly want to be a 3-and-D team. Uh, If this team can gel, like if if Mike, if Mike White can make it happen, uh, this team could legitimately be special. Like we could see a fantastic team here if everything gels, but the the really difficult part is getting a whole bunch of new guys together. And in one offense and in one off season, making them gel and getting them to work properly, it's incredibly difficult to do but if Mike White can make it happen, this team's going to have a deep run in March and it's going to be an insane, I can't wait for the basketball season and I'm not really a huge basketball guy. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow it's prediction time for Florida versus LSU. Now make your second listen Lockdown SEC. Get all of your daily SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy of Sports 790. It's free and available on all platforms. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon, and you can find all of my written work with Whole9Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And be sure to check out my tweet, my pin tweet, uh, to let Lockdown know why Florida has the best fans in the nation. Because we do just let them know so I can talk that talk. That's all I want to do. I just want to talk that talk. So thank you, and I will see you all tomorrow.